السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا مرحبا بكم أهلا وسهلا السلام عليكم وتحية منا تسوف إليكم أحبابنا ما أجمل الدنيا بكم ولا تقبح الدنيا وفيها أنتم Welcome everyone to Friday Night Live um, I'm your host uh, with Miftah Sheikh Abdullah Wahid I like to call myself Abdullah That's the best way to recognize myself um, And Mufti Abdul Wahab is on the back end with joining us. Alhamdulillah, tonight we'll have a very beautiful uh, lineup with special guests. We have Sheikh Hassan joining us, and we have Ustad Sheikh Khalid Latif. He will also be joining us. So tonight is going to be a very special night with reflection, with recitation, with praises of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I'd like to welcome everyone who's joining from all across the world, all across the country. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you are well, you are in good spirit, your family is well and safe, your health is good. As we are um, experiencing a, a rise of COVID, I hope everyone is doing be their best to keep themselves safe, their family safe. And uh, hopefully this, this will pass, you know, time will pass and uh, things will become easy, easier. سهرت عيون ونامت أعين في أمور تكون أو لا تكون فدرأ الهم أن استطعت أن نفسك فحملانك الهموم جنون إن ربا كفاك بالأمس ما كان يخفيك عن غد ما يكون uh, We have the, the turmoils of this life and the worries that are what, what's going to happen tomorrow and these things always agitate us We know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the ultimate sustainer, provider, nourisher protector he is managing this we're managing this world and we hope that he inshallah will take care of us in in this situation also let's go ahead brothers and sisters welcome our our qari our sheikh sheikh hassan ahlan wa sahlan sheikh marhaban bikum ya sheikh abdullah wa marhaban sheikh abdul wahab barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khayran ala hadhihi al-istidafa ahlan wa sahlan alhamdulillah sheikh hassan and myself with sheikh masmari with sheikh Salah Sawi, we have a beautiful team. Every Hajj, Kuluna Ma'ba'a fil Hajj, Kulusana. Alhamdulillah, Asallah, Allah, Harimana, Hadi Nama Abedan. Alhamdulillah. And Sheikh Hassan is a world renowned reciter. Um, he is, mashallah, he is not someone strange to the beautiful recitation of the Quran. He visits Michigan all the time for Quran nights. He goes, his videos are on YouTube, all around in the internet, circulate on social media platforms. He's, mashallah, one of the most prominent reciters of the Quran that we have in the United States of America. So inshallah, I'd like to welcome him and everyone who is on the chat joining us. Please welcome Sheikh Hassan. Inshallah, Sheikh Anta, Mubsuteen, Ahle Kulluhum Mubsuteen, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khairan. Allahumma taqabbal hadha al-amal, ya Rabbil Alameen. Ubarik feehi, ya Rabbil Alameen. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذين يبلغون رسالات الله ويخشونه ولا يخشون أحدا إلا الله
وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ حَسِيبًا مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ ذِكْرًا ഹുബുക്കുറിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസിയുസി
وكان بالمؤمنين رحيما تحيتهم يوم يلقونه سلام وأعد لهم أجرا كريما تحيتهم يوم يلقونه سلام أعد لهم أجرا كريما يا أيها النبي إنا أرسلناك شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا وداعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا يا أيها النبي إنا أرسلناك شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا وداعيا الى الله وداعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا يا أيها النبي إنا أرسلناك شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله أعيني لله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا 
ما شاء الله تقبل الله الشيخ ما أحسن هذا الصوت ما شاء الله ما أحسن ما شاء الله شيخ كلنا دائما نتذكر موسم الحج we always remember you in Hajj and and in Mina in Arafa you ما شاء الله you do the recitation in our camp so beautiful Sheikh may Allah bless you may Allah bless your family and uh, we are also so blessed to have you um Sheikh recited verses from Surah Hazab and uh, Surah Hazab is a very beautiful surah uh, it this has a discussion of Khandaq and this passage has the discussion of the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, one of the one of my favorite verses in the Quran is ya ayyuhan nabiyyu inna arsalnaka shahidan 
ومبشرا ونذيرا وداعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا some people you know they get titles phd md you know they have multiple titles in the end of their name or the beginning of their names the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has so many titles he is shahid mubashshir he's the one that gives glad tidings he's the one that warns wada'i he's the inviter towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the lantern that's glowing sirajan munira and that is and there's a beautiful long explanation of wahhab ibn munabbih under the tafsir of this ayah in ibn kathir and time will not permit me to go into this mufti abdul wahhab is on the back end and we have we want sheikh to recite some more poems and nasheed and we have uh, imam khalid latif joining us but this is a very beautiful description of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, we are so blessed to have this beautiful quran with us but and being the messenger allah says وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِأَنَّ لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَضْلًا كَبِيرًا Tell these believers they have the biggest grace of Allah upon them. Islam and the Messenger as our guide, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So inshallah, I would like to uh, have the Shaykh recite some more couplets and in soften our hearts, inshallah, Shaykh. I, I will get off and I'll leave you on. Sayyidi ya Rasulullah زانتك في الخلق العظيم شمائل يغرى بهن ويولع الكرماء زانتك في الخلق العظيم شمائل يغرى بهن ويولع الكرماء أما الجمال الجمال فأنت شمس سمائه أما الجمال فأنت شمس سمائه أما الجمال فَإِذَا سَخَوْتْ بَلَغْتَ بِالْجُودِ الْمَدَى فَعَلْتَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلِ الْأَنْوَاءُ فَإِذَا عَفَوْتْ 
متفقادراً ومقدراً لا يستهين بعفوك الجهلاء وإذا رحمت أنت أم أو أب أذان في الدنيا هما الرحماء نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا رحمة للأنام نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا رحمة للأنام عليك الصلاة عليك السلام عليك الصلاة عليك السلام وصحبك وت تابعين الكرام لمولدك ابتاج العالم وانت معلمه الاعظم بمولدك ابتاج العالم وانت معلمه الاعظم شفوق رحيم ولا تظلم شفوق رحيم ولا تظلم عليك الصلاة عليك السلام نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا رحمة للأنام عليك الصلاة عليك السلام وصحبك وت تابعين الكرام الله أحيا نفوس الورى وكنت لها المنقذ الأكبر بك الله أحيا نفوس الورى وكنت لها المنقذ الأكبر حملت لها شرعك الأنورى حملت لها شرعك الأنورى فعم الضياء وولى الظلام نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا رحمة للأنام عليك الصلاة عليك السلام وصحبك والتابعين الكرام سلوا عرش كسرى سلوا قيصرى سلوا الصين والهند والبربرا سلوا عرش كسرى سلوا قيصرى سلوا الصين والهند والبربرا سلوا من أهلا ومن كبرا ألم يهتدوا برسول السلام نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا رحمة للأنام نبي الهدى يا رسول السلام ويا مرسلا 
رحمه للانام عليك الصلاه عليك السلام عليك الصلاه عليك السلام وصحبك والتابعين الكرام اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه اللهم صل على محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم بارك الله صلوا على النبي everyone that is watching Please send your salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the greatest human uh, that walked on this earth. Uh, uh, you know, such a beautiful person sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Inshallah, in the winter break, we will be studying the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I'll have the honor, inshallah, Allah give me the tawfiq. To uh, study the life of the Prophet, I'll be do- leading and inst- instructing a class seven days, six to seven hours a day. Of course, you can it will be recorded. You can take a break online if you're watching online. Uh, we will be doing a Sira intensive, and this will be the fourth year Miftah has been conducting the Sira intensive. The past three years, we've been doing it on site, on campus. People from all across the uh, United States, even in Can- from Canada, have joined us. But this year, because of the unique circumstances, we will have a, a minimum count, a limited amount on-site, and we will also have it broadcasted online for those who register. The link has been shared, and the Sheikh just recited beautiful poems about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you can never, never get enough of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was so beautiful. His character was amazing. The world is what it is today in, in favor because we owe to the Prophet And the Prophet Wasallam's favors upon us don't end. You know, usually someone's favors upon us end when they leave this world. The Prophet Wasallam's ihsan, his favors continue even in the next world. We will talk more about this as we go through the program. Um, I want to thank the Shaykh. Shaykh, uh, shukuruk. Shukran. Jazakumullah khair. اجمعنا بنبينا صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم امين بارك الله فيك امين سلم على عيالك واهلك الله يسلمك الله يسلمك اسمح لي بالانصراف ان شاء الله بارك الله ان والله استفدنا كثير جزاكم الله خير السلام عليكم شيخنا نحبكم وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته الحمد لله we were so blessed to have شيخ حسن with us great reciter great individual and uh, such a humble personality and uh, you know when he recites the quran you you can feel and sense it's coming from his heart and it penetrates into our heart. We ask Allah to translate that into our actions. Brothers and sisters, we're going to go ahead in the next seg- next segment of our program, uh, one of our main guests who is no stranger to the audience, to Miftah audience, and also to the, the public in, in the States and also across the world, Imam Khalid Latif. I hope I can get him on, inshallah. Uh, is, look, ahlan wa sahlan, Imam. <laughs> How are you doing, Imam? Good, alhamdulillah. How's everything? Alhamdulillah, just you know, holding in, holding in, just trying to stay up, you know, on our feet. 
I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. We've been making lots of du'a for him. Allah grant him peace and entrance into Jannah without any judgment. I mean, I mean, you and your family for for your loss. Alhamdulillah, you know we're so blessed. Um, he was he was uh, too good for us in this world, and he was meant to be in the company of the angels and hosted by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Inshallah, it's uh, definitely a great loss for us. And I've been talking about this for the past almost 37, 35 days. Mm. And uh, it's it's been rough, you know, Sheikh. Mm. And uh, we, but we're trying to learn to cope with it. And it's, uh, you know, these are such tragedies, loss of a younger brother, baby brother. You would, uh, it just doesn't go away. You know, people, people might sometimes, you know, it's important that people also know that, you know, we all go through some suffering, you know, yeah. we go through pains and because we're in the public because we have our institution we do live events we, we are uh, imams in communities we have students all across so they're now seeing you know our situation you know if we were if we were just uh, limited to our home in our space and we would just be within the family but it's this is something we just can't hide you know yeah. like oh. is a limit where you can hide your 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 emotions and your pain you know a time comes where such thing like this happens and people might think, you know, how do you deal with it? And again, we're trying to, we're trying to learn through the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ how to cope with this. And uh, I think as, as time proceeds, we're just going to have to learn to cope with it better. But the pain and the loss is, it hasn't diminished at all, Imam. Allah make it easy for all of you, you know. I mean, even you know better than I do, right? The the Prophet Sallam, even after Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha passes and he gets her necklace in his hand, you know, after much time passes, it, it still has remembrance, right? But the the idea is not to forget or let go. This is one who you love, right? And that's what the Mufassirin they describe prison as being. It's the the loss of a loved one, the loss of someone that you love. And inshallah, Allah gives you the best of reunions and the highest level of his Jannah and the world beyond this one. And that bond, inshallah, will be something that you experience eternally for forever. But the remembrance, you know, is, is one that can push you forward in ways that you carry on everything that we knew him to be as a real source of illumination. But, you know, my prayers are with you and your family. And uh, my family has been making a lot of dua for you all. Uh, you know, and anything that we can do to help, um, please let me know. It would be my honor to, to do whatever I can. Inshallah. No, it means a lot, Imam. You guys are keeping us in your prayers. And uh, your family is our family. We're all one family. And uh, we're all one fraternity. We all serve this deen. And we um, we ache for the pains of others. You know, it's just the, the, the bond that Muslim community have for each other. So, Jazakumullah khair for everything that you do and uh, the great work that you're doing in New York. Um, so I want to welcome you back to our program. And uh, Imam Khalid is on the ground. I always say this when I introduce him. He's one of those speakers, one of those educators, uh, in, you know, that's on the ground, boots on the ground, in the, one of the largest cities of, in the world, New York. A uh, chaplain in there was a chaplain in Princeton who was a chaplain for the NYPD. Um, and uh, follows his actions um, higher and louder than his words. It's just unbelievable. So we're so happy to have you, Imam. Okay. And 
I feel like uh, Sheikh Abdul Wahab has already gone over the topic with us. So what's what are we looking at today? As as you know, the, we spoke about this when the, when were we joined? We were together when the pandemic started in New yes, York. Yeah, and we're in, we're now in November, and we were, we spoke at the height of the pandemic in New York when the the hospitals were flooded, and the ICUs were flooded, and the death rates was just high, skyrocketing, and now we are here almost in the same situation. You know. Mm-hmm. So what what's going on, Imam, in New York, and how how is your community dealing with it? What's your advice for all of us while we're suffering uh, locally, but also keeping our eyes on the Ummah globally? So what do you recommend on that, Imam? You know, it's difficult. I mean, we're we're in a place where our society heavily emphasizes an elevation of the nafs, right? May Allah protect us from it. And where we were in April and May. You know, I read these stories now of hospitals around the country where their doctors are running around helter-skelter trying to figure out what to do. Uh, They're running out of beds for patients coming in and they don't really know where to send them. And the recognition of so much of what our dean teaches us about how we don't center ourselves, right? Ours is not a dean that emphasizes the pursuit of anything nafsi. But when you have a God-centric deen and we put Allah Zawjal, the divine, at the center of everything, we then recognize that we're not in individual spheres where the world is moving around us as an individual. But when Allah is centered as he is, Zawjal, and does not need for us to make him the center, but where we are blessed to have a perspective that is God-centric through our religion, we see now how we all intertwine in a broader sphere with our connecting point being our creator who brought us into this world. I mean, the narration that so many of us relate to that the Prophet likens us to a body, that so many of us know this hadith, and that if one part of it is ill, then the entire body feels fever. It's important to understand that no part of your body is not connected to the rest of your body that you cannot function in a way where there is independence, even if it's not necessarily directly connected, but seemingly every part of me is attached to the rest of me. And if I don't have one part of me in continuity or moving in the way that it needs to go, the entire body literally feels that. So you can't say that my eye necessarily starts and ends right here, if not for the face that is connected to, the bones that make that structure, that then go back to everything that bleeds into your vertebrae and the rest of your body. But the Prophet words are so remarkable. And if we deepen the analogy and the metaphor, that isn't just about, I have a fever, and that's because something isn't working. But he's also saying that you are connected in your entirety to the rest of you. And that's how you need to see your connection to your sisters and brothers throughout the world, that every part of you being connected to each other, you have that connection to the rest of the people that are around you. Unbelievable, Sheikh. That's, 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 that's very powerful, you know, that we are not just individuals just in our own bubble, you know, and like you said, how your family was praying for our family. We are a, 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 a ummah that needs to recognize the suffering of others. Allah, the Prophet said, 
مثل المؤمنين في توادهم توادهم وتراحمهم وتعاطفهم مثل الجسد. The Prophet said that that in, in love and compassion the entire ummah is like one body. And you talked about how you know the entire body complains. One of the beautiful analogies the Prophet gave was إذا اشتكى رأسه اشتكى كله. When the head aches, the entire body aches. When اشتكى عينه اشتكى كله. And he said the eye, and then he said the whole body again. And my brother, Sheikh Abdul Rahim, had migraines all the time. And when you have migraine, you are you literally can't see light. And, and the Prophet talked about a headache. He talked about shtaka ra'su, like the head hurting. Mm. And for those who have migraines or have headaches, may Allah want to give them shifa. Mm. You know, I have so many friends who really, you know, some their days they just can't get out of their room because their head is hurting so much. And there's so many sisters and brothers out there. And the Prophet said the head. And then he said the eye, which is also connected to the head, like, like right there, you know. And it's basically in the same region. And it tells you that that's one part where if it hurts, the entire body uh, lore is completely out of service. Mm -hmm. It's so, it, it, it surfaces, it, it feeds the pain, it understands the pain. And that's how we're supposed to recognize the pain of the ummah. And not just numb ourselves and, and diffuse ourselves from what's happening in the world, but actually center, you know, have some acquaintance and having centralized ourselves. This is something that's happening. What can we do for it? Once that starts, there's going to be pro progression. There's going to be dua. And the least we can do is start to make dua and cry for the pain of the world, especially now in COVID. You know, we're talking about at least, like, you know, people are talking more. People have become more understanding and grateful. I've seen in during this time is like, alhamdulillah, we have internet at home. Alhamdulillah, we have a roof over our head. Alhamdulillah for the, the, the FaceTime and the digital networks that we have that so we can communicate what about Syria? What about Yemen? Who, a country, almost a decade of war, right? Mm. And, and uh, shortage of, of supplies, medical supplies, education. You know, it just, it's unbelievable. And then above that, COVID. But what about also where you have that internet and those things, you recognize what actually has to take place in order for you to have it. Right, like the same way in the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ is giving us indication that so much is going on within you at every single moment of your existence. Like the body is remarkable if we were to really look into it and to see how our ability to remain balanced necessitates that all of its moving parts are working in a certain way so that we don't have that headache, right? So that we don't have those pains that then resonate through the rest of us for you to get internet in your home it's not one person that's working in order for you to have internet and it's not one person that's also working in order for you to have internet 24 hours a day seven days a week there are literally thousands of people that have to move in certain ways from start to finish in order for us to be able to live stream what we're doing that the entire production of it, and you can trickle that down to anything, the electricity that's in your house, the cup of coffee that you drink. If you go all the way back to the starting point where the plants in and of itself, the beans in and of themselves are being collected, the number of people who are walking through fields in order for us to yield it, the people who roast it, the people who transport it, they ship it, they do all these things. For you to get one cup of coffee, 
to start your day, just to have some energy and a jolt to get going, there is likely like thousands of people who have to do what they do for you to get that one thing on a regular basis. Wow. There's not anything that is just there that is coming to you in that way. And this is critical from a theological standpoint for us, because mm -hmm. if we cannot wrap our hands around the idea that the things that we have are also coming from other things, right? If you can't understand that something comes from something, that it's not just there, but it comes from something, right? We're not muddy and peace be upon her, that the food just popped up out of nowhere, right? Something is coming from something is an important thing to understand in order to then deeply understand that something came from nothing. That you can't fully embrace the idea of Allah saying, Kun fayakun, that be and it is, that he is the first and the last, and before there was anything, there was him, and after there is nothing, that there will be him, beyond an abstract level, to fully recognize this idea that there was nothing and then there was something, and there's only one who can make from nothing something, that you got to also then be able to embrace that something is coming from some things. People are in motion every day so that we can have the clothes that we wear. People are in motion every day so that we can have what we use to trim and groom ourselves, the oils that we wear, the scents. Everything that we have necessitates many different moving parts. And this is where this idea of thinking globally but acting locally is telling us to elevate our consciousness the way the dean tells us to, to not be in a space where entitlement is so pervasive that you believe that the food that's sitting in your fridge suddenly just popped out of nowhere. But there is people who are toiling in fields right now. And then you dig deeper to have ethics, right? Is what the hadith says. The prophet's setting his coming for us to aspire towards higher levels of ethical conduct. So you're thinking deeply. If thousands of people got to move for you and I to wear our kufis, then shouldn't we be mindful of the fact that they might be sitting in factories and places that have no supervision and safety, or that our existence and our living is what catalyzes and causes other things to have to live in the ways that they live. The rest of creation, animals are in a sphere of existence where they just do what they're supposed to do. The birds, they chirp, and the dogs, they bark, and everything does what it does. Their ecosystems get disrupted, not because they suddenly decide to be other than what they are meant to be, but they get disrupted because we stop being what we are supposed to be as humans. And we leave behind what makes us categorically distinct, which is our ability to yield consciousness and to think. And you just sit and think deeply, subhanAllah, what really has to happen for us to have just some of the fundamental things that we have. And then you get deeper and you say, how many people have to then not have in order for us to have? Wow. And this idea of working locally is that if you want that global impact, you start to enact change that renders that domino effect that starts to move in spheres that get bigger, right? The Prophet ﷺ, he does this. I mean, listen to the beautiful words that the Sheikh was reciting, right? The Quran in and of itself, I mean, it's subhanAllah. 
And then you hear what he is reciting thereafter and the poetry and the words are, are just deepening. And anybody who's listening, you should be a part of the winter intensive that Miftah is doing on the Sirah. Because right now, I mean, in this conversation, of the many things that makes Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam amazing is his sense of just connection to so many people around him, that consciousness that we're talking about, and to take from that example so that you're breaking apart from this supremacist mindset that is globalized, that has us elevate the nafs into this modern day state of shirk that we're just worshiping the ego and we're thinking that it's just me and we adopt this sense of exceptionalism and entitlement that's not rooted in anything that the deen has. And then we start focusing on our spending habits, our eating habits, our lifestyle decisions, and how they impact others. The Prophet ﷺ is one man was able to then start a movement that transcends into billions of people right now, but also has been trillions over 14 centuries, and it's not going anywhere. Right, but it's a starting point that ignites into this, and he's thinking about, and you know, he's thinking about it because he's thinking about even us at the time he's making his du'as and he's talking to his companions, right? My sisters and brothers, and they say, Is that us? and he says, They're gonna be the people who come after me. They never saw me, but they believe in me, which is gives us elevation, but it also gives us insight into his thought process. Right, Ibrahim salam, his du'as are for generations that are coming after. He's not thinking just in the immediacy, but he's thinking in the long term. You can think ahead with foresight, and you can think broadly, like bigger than you, and it's embedded in our tradition. And the gain is for the self more than anything, because then you start to see real beauty. You start to see what really satisfies needs, not complacency from wants, but what is it that's going to give you real rida, like real contentment, real balance, right? And may Allah make us all people of, of rida, but it's all there. And in these hadith that we hear over and over, you just sit and you start to reflect on them deeply. And you think about, man, how blessed am I that in order for me to just eat this egg, in order for me to just drink that drink, that coffee that I drink, that tea that I drink, 10,000 people had to go and put their effort in for me to just sip this. How can I not then feel blessed and not feel grateful and then try to go out and do what I can to give a little back for everything that's been given to me? You see what I'm saying? 100%. 100%, Imam Khalid. I mean, you said it so eloquently. You articulated it so well. You said so many things that I want to just pick on and just talk over and expand on. And, and uh, you know, how we are so interdependent on the entire system. And sometimes, you know, the thinking about like the global aspect, sometimes we get lost even in our own home as if the home works for us. We don't realize that a husband is able to do what they're doing because their spouse is covering, right? There's things happening in your home that if these were not in place, you would not be able to exist even in your small little place that you are at that address. Imagine the entire world servicing and moving and and in this whole thing that Allah SWT has organized for us to the service of the humanity and the human being. And then it the, one of the things that you said fascinating was the Prophet ﷺ, how he was farsighted, visionary, and living in Makkah, you know, 
It was a small community, but his eyes were on, on, on Persia. His vision was in, in Rome. And then his eyes were on the poor. And in their places over and over in the Quran, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet, La tamuddanna ila ma Don't look at those who have been lavishly blessed. Focus on those who don't have. Sit with those who have been ignored and marginalized. So in the community, there is another community that's been ignored, but the Prophet is making them one body. At the same time, eventually when he gets to Medina, and in Mecca, he's constantly thinking what could happen later. We saw what happened in Taif, right? And the mountains are placed in front. The angels are coming down and saying, in an akhshabain, Ya Rasulullah. If you allow us to demolish the people of Taif between the valley, we're d- it's done. The, mm. This angel's asking, God sent the angels to the service of the Prophet Muhammad mm-hmm. and him keeping his mind on the prize. You know, the thing is, right, Imam Khan, you know this in, in your professional world, people meet people through their lens. Like if you are uh, a psychiatrist, you see it, you see anyone, you see them through the lens of a of you know the psychiatry, or if you're a psychologist, you start to analyze their their behavior. If you are, uh, uh, you know, you, you are a businessman or businesswoman and you sell a product and you see it on their pocket, you see the pen there, you sell jewelry, you see it on their hands, you start to analyze the carrot, you know, and you just, your eyes just go into that world and your mind starts to uh, mesmerize in that place. The Prophet's mind, his eye, and his heart was paradise. Mm. Black, white, rich, poor, villager, city, doesn't matter where you are from. He saw you. He wanted to make you bank into Jannah. Mm-hmm. He would make a poor person feel that he was rich enough to enter Jannah. And he will make a rich person feel that his wealth can make him lose Jannah. He just he just knew how to do it so well, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when he saw that in Taif, he says, I have this hope that Allah will bring people out of the progeny of Taif, those who stoned him, the people will come out of their generation that will worship Allah. And he just saw it so much greater. And he he visioned this. Like he was talking about things that are going to happen that could, people could not imagine mm-hmm. in Makkah. And his eyes were there. And when people came to the Prophet, he welcomed them. So though he this is why he's mm-hmm. when Allah SWT talks about his mercy, he he makes it universal, he makes it very clear. That yes, he came to Makkah, Medina. He didn't travel as far. The furthest place he traveled was Tabuk, but he was universal. His message was universal. His fikr, his concern was universal, and his nation is everywhere. And that's what he did. And I, I like the way you talked about how Ibrahim was also that type of person. It, it just that's how people are. It's just not us. Sometimes even in communities, Imam, like if you're from Detroit, it becomes like. It's all everything that's happening in your small zip code community. You know, alhamdulillah, we have a great school. Alhamdulillah, we have uh, everyone's uh, living well. Alhamdulillah, you think everything is good everywhere. It's not true. You know, so we lose focus on the rest of the world. The Prophet never lost that. But the beautiful thing about the Prophet was, right, he was always under a circumstance where he was suffering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he never lost track of those who were suffering. It happens naturally. When I start to enjoy life, I forget to it's just, you know, like when you're in the upper class world, you forget that there are people suffering because you're so in tune to your own life. And the Prophet was constantly reminded of his children's death 
his wife's death, his, uh, his companion's loss, hunger, poverty, uh, tragedies all around him, and he could sympathize with everyone else around the world. Yeah, and and he, he's aware also of things that are happening around the world that are good, right? Like, why does he send his companions to be with the Najashi in Abyssinia, right? I mean, he's got black people being treated terribly in Mecca. We know the hadith and what's going on with people like Bilal radiallahu anhu. And he sends a group of his companions to make hijra to the kingdom of the Najashi to seek sanctuary. And the king is black. The courts are black. Everybody is black. The Meccans come to chase after them, to bring them back, to make life hard for them. And they're all standing in front of a king and his entire group of advisors. And they have to then recognize black excellence. And they have to be able to understand it. But the Prophet ﷺ's consciousness is also distinct from the rest of the people that he grew up with, right? He doesn't have and demonstrate the mindset of Meccan nobility that have their own stratification and their own challenges with racism and classism. And he's also then teaching his companions because they all go and they all find themselves in a kingdom now where they're seeing race through a different lens and a different prism. The Prophet he knows what he's doing, but to think about how does he know this and how does he understand it? Because likely the people who are there, they all had a problem when Bilal radiallahu an gets at the conquest of Mecca to call the Adhan and stands up on the Kaaba. There's still people that are commenting on his blackness at that time Correct. and where he comes from. And may Allah protect us from that kind of ignorance. But something separates the Prophet ﷺ in such a way where he's able to now see through that distinction. And when you're talking about, you know, we want to see or we see the world, it's hard to mute our identity. We see it as a psychiatrist. We see it as a doctor. We see it as an entrepreneur. You got to just see it as a Muslim. You got to see it as an, as an ummati of Muhammad ﷺ, right? You, you can have an absence of certain things. You, you don't know what you don't know, and that's fine, right? But the desire to know is not then just limited. It's part of it in terms of us understanding, you know, the fiqh that we need to know, the fundamental theology that we need to know, but we also need to know that there's so much to know. There's so much that's there, and that consciousness and that awareness gets halted by elements that our deen teaches us to combat with principles like gratitude and appreciation, because what they're taking on are things like greed, right? And greed isn't always just like a Scrooge type figure sitting in his, you know, comfy leather chair with a cat in his hand that he's stroking or, you know, he's tapping his fingers as he's going to make life difficult for the poor. Greed is also what gets in the way when we are always chasing after something else in a very consumer driven society that tells us that our happiness and contentment is going to be based off of buying something else, purchasing something else, where Allah and his messenger are telling us that just sit down and don't think about gratitude as one end of the spectrum and the only other thing you are is an ingrate, but think about gratitude as a verb. 
Think about it as something that you do and you sit down and you break down greed within yourself by looking at what you have and thinking about it in that prism that it now becomes a vision modifier that says, I don't really need to have so many of these things. And it's not a problem. You like nice cars, get a nice car, right? Just know where it came from. You like nice clothes, right? The companions asked the prophet this as well. And he says, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about arrogance. May Allah protect us from it. Um, but to understand, well, what are the things that we introspectively can seek to halt to say that we become now impacted? And this is the hardest thing, right? Shaitan can only engage us through waswasa. May Allah protect us from it. But where now we have negative thoughts and we are in a space where Quite often, the shackling that comes is not physical shackling, but it's psychological shackling. And we start to believe that the thoughts that we think are our own thoughts, but in reality, the thoughts that we think are thoughts that these systems want us to think because it has us then spend more in pursuit of what it is that they want us to buy. And they tell us that's where happiness comes from, right? Ali radiallahu an, he tells us that detachment isn't to not own anything of the world but detachment is to not let anything of the world own you that your sense of self comes inward out and your contentment is not based off of what's outside of you right like if we asked each other we asked the people watching this right now did you have a good day today did you have a bad day today and then we ask them why or why not. And you just write down the things that made your day good or made your day not good. And once you have this list of things, we then pose the question, do you want to have a good day tomorrow? And what's going to make your day good tomorrow? And if we look at what it is that made our good day good or our bad day bad, this list of things or what we project on what will come later on, and there are things that exist external to us, then it's going to be hard for us to find contentment. But if we understand that our state of self, rooted in happiness, contentment, whatever you want to call it, is based off of what's going on within us, then you're going to be able to then find doors more open to yielding that consciousness that is in pursuit of the prophetic legacy but it starts in recognizing that these are things that are internal, right? Vision like that, consciousness like that, they're going to be modified also by things that are internalized. You trickle it down. It's not that you have a lot of things, but the intention through which you acquire those things. And if it's evidence of the hadith that tells us that the son of Adam, you give him one mountain of gold, he's going to want a second mountain, right? You give him more, he's just going to want more. And you think introspectively, is that where I'm at? Do I just go and buy the next version of this thing because somebody else has made me believe that this is what's going to make me happy or I won't know how to function societally if I don't have one of these things? Where and how we think about these things through this prism of greed, may Allah protect us from it, that then validates and justifies Habits that we are doing individually that don't think about it, right? Sayyid ibn Musayyib, rahimahullah, he tells his children that I do good deeds so that you will benefit, right? Within the narrative of Khidr and Musa salam, the wall that's being rebuilt that has the treasure underneath it, 
You have parents that were good, and Allah is protecting their children from the goodness of their parents. How often do you sit and think individually that the haram that I do is not just hurting me, but the haram that I do is going to hurt other people around me? My abandonment of the faraid is not just a choice that impacts me, but if I'm not honoring what is obligatory, I'm also then going to impact the people that exist in the spheres of existence around me, right? And the prophetic mode of existence is one where the prophet is constantly thinking about others, seeing what's good within them, and then when something messes up, he initially will turn to Allah instinctively and say, did I do something wrong? Is it because I did something that people are now suffering? That's amazing as a worldview. And that's what we have as an exemplar. And the consciousness is not that I know to know the details of every single thing that's happening everywhere. I just need to realize that the world is much bigger. And in the world that I exist, my world is one of many worlds of experience. And even where I don't know what I don't know, I still at least know that there's so much that I don't know. And my actions are still going to yield reactions later on down the line. So I got to be present in my decision making. How do you start with some of this? Open your fridge and look at what you buy and see what kind of things are animals going through for you to have what you have. The clothes that you wear, what are people going through in order for you to have what you have, right? People will say to us the distinctions of permissibility and impermissibility. Something being permissible, and you know this better than I do, Sheikh, can have a permissibility aspect to it. It doesn't mean that it's ethical, right? And to now drill down to see, well, what does it then have consequently? So you can invest your money in the company that's a weapons manufacturer, and the approval comes that says, well, they're not doing anything with the weapons. They're just selling them. But then if your investment is supporting occupation, right? May Allah make things easy for people, right? Your investment is supporting prison industrial complex, military industrial complex. The food that you eat is creating like challenges in the world all around you. And you start to trickle it down to that level. And you start to then see like, why did the Prophet not eat so much meat to begin with. But you think about it from an ethical standpoint and what's happening in the globe. Why do we think about what it means to engage in fair trade practices or we look to see what's happening in terms of labor rights for people all over the world and what really has to take place for others in order for us to have what we have. But you do it through a prism of gratitude and you recognize that I don't really need most of this stuff that I have, man. And if it means that somebody else's life is going to have to be terrible, at the very least, I can get up in the middle of the night and make du'a for the 10,000 people that had to hustle for me to have that cup of coffee that I drink in the morning or honor their existence, right? I mean, think about this. Why is the prophet upset and agitated when the woman who used to clean the masjid passes away and janazah is made for her? And he says, why didn't anybody tell me? But then you think for yourself, do you know the name of the person who is cleaning your office where you sit, who vacuums the carpet of the masjid that you pray upon? Do you know the name of the person who is bringing you your mail, 
who delivers you your newspaper? Do you know the name of the person that you buy coffee from every single day? Or do you get agitated with them in the midst of pandemic where they are trying to figure out as essential workers, mostly minorities, whether they should not work or they should work because for them, the decision means that they will not get paid and they will not be able to put food on the table. And you are so catered to your nuffs that you literally will have that cup made exactly the way you want it every single day. And they're going to even write your name on the cup. But the one time that it's off, the person who you never bothered to ask, are you doing okay? Or are you fine? You get thrown off by saying, this has two pumps of vanilla in it instead of one. As if that's what you're entitled to. When you say, who do I want to be? And what does Dean really mean to me? My son and I, we walked into a Baked by Melissa the other day. And there's one guy sitting behind the counter. And my son is five. And there's opportunities where I can teach him things directly and indirectly. I own some businesses. My staff, through COVID, we were shut for a while. We still paid them because they got to eat. What are we going to do? And this guy now is sitting in this cupcake store and he's the only person sitting there. And so I start to just ask him, how's he doing? My son said to me, Baba, is that your friend? And I said, no, but he's a person. And we start to talk to him. And in my head, I own a restaurant. I own some stores. One person on a staff at a slot that's for hours makes me think, how does this guy go to the bathroom? When does this guy get to take a meal break? Wow. So I said, hey, man, are you doing okay? How have things been going for you? Before we left, he was bumping fists with me. He wanted to come and hug me. He said, nobody ever asked me how I am. My goodness. But if Muslims are not doing it, then who else is going to do it? Unbelievable. If we are in the legacy of the best of creation, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we embrace that, and we just think deeply about what people have to do. I bought a box of cupcakes, man, from this guy. I was going to a friend's house for dinner. But what did people have to do in order for my kids, the kids of our friends who were sitting there, that were eating cupcake after cupcake? And he's five years old. He doesn't have to think at that level. But what he's going to think is going to be reflective of me at 38, giving to him indication of what it means to have consciousness, what it means to have awareness. This brother is standing there selling mini cupcakes, but he's on his feet. He didn't even have a seat to sit in. And for eight hours straight, no persons to talk to. I have to go to the bathroom. That guy doesn't have to go to the bathroom. What's going to help him get through it and be recognized as human is just to do what our prophet says to do. The best amongst you is the one who greets whom they know and whom they do not know. SubhanAllah. That's what you live. And you start to do it, but you understand that the gain is back to you the most. Because would you rather be the person who doesn't recognize the humanness in someone else? Or that people hurt and they have pain. And they're also entitled to contentment. And that's why it's hard, man. You and I, we were on this live stream months ago, and you heard and saw what was happening with me when the city I live in was going through what it's going through. And now we're in a place where we are not anywhere close to that. 
And at the slightest of increase, our city's leadership, our state leadership, they say we're just cutting things down. But I see these places where people are going through the same things over and over. And it's ridiculous what it is that people are pursuing, not caring about what cost it comes to someone else's life. But to then understand that it's easy to point that at somebody else. The same thing happens in the production of so much that enables us to have the lives that we live right now and the absence of awareness of what people have to go through in order for us to have the comfort that we have. Because what's the distinction? If you compare what the average middle-class family has today in comparison to what people had decades ago, centuries ago, in terms of access points, right? We read our books. People had tons of camels back in the day, and that made them rich. You literally drive cars that the equivalency of the power that they have is hundreds of horses, right? You're in spheres where like machines blow cold air on you when it's hot outside, and they blow hot air on you when it's cold outside. Like this is not something that people had before, but we have so much more than people ever had, but we also have so much more loneliness, so much more anxiety, so much more stress. Contentment doesn't come from these things. It comes from recognizing interdependence. It comes from being in a space where you embrace what God intended you for to be, right? And the verse is true. You interject beauty, it just yields beauty. Goodness comes and it produces more good. That one guy had me smile a smile to him as our prophet teaches us that it can be a sadaqa. Where do you think he then went afterwards? It doesn't change his reality, but it can change perception of reality. And sometimes it's those things that then build upon themselves, right? and enable us to then see what we have to grow and what we can do in that broader, this is what you all do. And that's why it's amazing and remarkable. We sit down and you tell me when I've been in Michigan, see this building, we're gonna do these social services with it. We're gonna help these type of people with it. These are the types of people that are now coming to our community that we've never seen before. Those are indications that you are doing Allah's work. Allah is opening for you and facilitating for you because you're not confined to myopic perspective. You are thinking much broader, but also then thinking how you can actualize on a local level because you have that global perspective. And that's why people need like what our deen teaches us. The sunnah is the antidote to all of this. I don't believe anything less than that. The prophetic example is what will fix all of this nonsense that's taking place and this egocentricity because our messenger did not live for himself, man. He did everything constantly for others. And that's what we need a little bit more for. Not somebody who says that my fudger prayer is mine and my relationship with my God is personal and it's not about what you think, but your fudger prayer is not just for you. Your fudger prayer is for so many other people. And you start to think about it in that way. And you move forward in the, the, the footsteps of the best of creation. May Allah make things easy for all those who are suffering from loved ones 
contracting COVID right now and are suffering from dealing with the illness themselves and bring ease to the hearts of people who have lost loved ones for any reason whatsoever. And may he bring some guidance to the stupidity of people who are placing more as a priority, dollars in their pockets that are dictating their decisions rather than giving real worth to human life and honoring things by real ethics and real morals. And I'm gonna say it again, it's easy to point a finger at somebody, but you take the opportunity when Allah is speaking instruction to you and trying to give you wisdom and insight from the examples around you. If it's wrong if those people are doing it and taking others for granted, then it's wrong when we do it. And it can be permeated into all of our decision-making. Right, and may Allah make us people of consciousness. I mean, Imam, you know, uh, you said uh, more than I can ask from an Imam in this time. Unbelievable. You know, um, people who are, I said this in the beginning, people who are on the ground serving the people, they can feel the pain of the people. You know, they don't live in their superficial bubble. And as a person and your personality and the words that you're saying, and the moisture in your eyes speaks to the audience and speaks to me that you are a person that's within the people. And that's how the Prophet was. He would um, he could feel the pain of the people. And he could and stand up for their pain and then find a solution for their pain. I mean, he can make criminals feel that they could be saints overnight. It's unbelievable. Like those two criminals that he saw in Hijrah. And they say, yeah, Prophet, you know, we have a path here. But it's a little bit, there's these looters here, and they're gangsters. You want to go that way? The Prophet, let's go. And the Prophet is running away from being assassinated from the Makkans. He's he's under threat, but his eyes are still focused on these on these gangsters. Can you imagine? Like we get a little uh, form of insecurity, little slight insecurity in our homes. Boom. We're not even there for our own relatives anymore. The Prophet has whole Makkah on his back, and he's told these thugs are on the route. You want to stop by? You want to go that way or another way? He said, let's go that route. He meets them. He says, man antuma, who are you? Who are you both? And they say, muhanani, we are the worst of the people on the earth. Brothers and sisters, there are a lot of clients that come into your stores, your businesses. You look at them and you degrade them. You look at them as how to, like you said, make the best of the buck from them and to milk them. And it's unbelievable. And, and then we just ignore their plight. The Prophet saw them and he said, No, Antuma Mukramani, you are the you are honorable people. He made these criminals feel honorable. Mm-hmm. These criminals are like sitting there, like, no one's ever said this to us. No parent, no friend, no one in society has ever praised them. Here comes Muhammad in the middle of this desert. The messenger of Allah praises them and Antuma. You are human beings by nature, you're worthy of praise. And they became Muslim. They became Muslim. And he, the Prophet did that with everyone. You know, uh, a, a dark man came to Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, when I go to Jannah, will I be rich? Will I be this? Will I be that? The Prophet says, Allah will give you everything you want. He made him feel special. Mm. And, you know, so there's, and in one of the narrations, this African person asked about Jannah and he said to the Prophet, Will my eyes see what your eyes see in Jannah? When Allah speaks the Surah Insan, and the Prophet said, I swear your eyes will see what my eyes will see in Jannah. Mm-hmm. This person from Africa, he dies on the spot. 
died on the spot. The Prophet made him feel that you are worthy of Jannah. That's such a class to be in. Such a high class to be in. Like, you know, about like first class seats. This is the highest class to be involved in. And the Prophet touches his chest and he says, your, he didn't say this African. He said, your companion died because of his eagerness and passion to enter Jannah. His just desire. So the Prophet saw that in them. He was able to engage with them. He was so real with them. He would cry with them. He was in pain with them in the bottom of the khandaq. So much so that the Sahaba had to sympathize to him. It's like, can we get you some food? We will do this for you. But the Prophet always was ahead of the game. And like you said, there's, you know, Imam, there's so many people hurting today. So many people, more than we can ever imagine. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's into, into the hotel business. He says, one out of three hotels in America are at the at the brink of collapse, like in, in, in sense of bankruptcy. Because COVID, people are not traveling for conventions and all across America, there's no gathering. You can, I mean, there are people, it's going to have a ripple effect. Mm. It's having an entire economy. And there are people out there till today who are trying to optimize these opportunities. Even in war, there are people who are trying to optimize you know, a country that's literally uh, dilapidated because of war in their situation. And it's so sad. You know, it's so sad. That there there is people in pain, and we like you said greeting them, saying greeting them with smile, and you know that narration that we always talk about. Imam, I I know you know this. I'm just going to say for the audience when Abdullah bin Salam, the rabbi, enters, sees the Prophet enter into Medina, and he hears the Prophet say four things: "Say Ya Yuhannas, Afshu Salam, Wa Atimu Taam, Wa Silu Arham, Wa Sallu Billi Wa Nasuliyam." He said, oh, people, spread greetings. My brother, Mufti Abdurrahman, always said, greetings doesn't mean say assalamu alaikum. It means that you come into a, a crowd, by your presence, there's a sense of happiness. Mm. There are some people that can greet you and say assalamu alaikum, but make you feel you know, like you're not welcomed. Like you you enter a space with, with such a positive atmosphere, um, positive uh, you know, mindset. Feed people. This is the first thing this Jewish rabbi heard in Medina. Feed people. Feeding people doesn't mean just hand out soup at a soup kitchen or di distribute food. Honestly, know who you're giving it to. And why did they come back next week? What happened? I always say when we sponsor orphans, I say, well, how would you feel if someone sponsored you but they didn't sponsor your sister or your brother in the same house. Mm -hmm. You sponsored an orphan, but you didn't know that orphan had few siblings. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, I just got it done because I heard I can be with the Prophet in Jannah. True, you know, you sponsored an orphan, you're with the Prophet in Jannah. But beyond that, beyond that, like what else is happening around here? Join ties with your relatives. In COVID, if we can't call our relatives to ask them what's going on in their life, when are we going to do it? Mm -hmm. People pass away so fast. People leave this world so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was driving here from Flint to Detroit to my mom's today, and I was telling my wife that one of the regrets I, of course, we always have this regret when someone dies. I just was, I was able to tell my brother how great he was. I was listening to his voice, and I heard him sing something, and we haven't publicized it, but, and he sang so beautiful. And I never compliment people publicly like this. 
I said, to, and I and I kind of did dhikr of this for like five minutes. The dhikr mm -hmm. of this, I said, Wallahi, that was so beautiful. That was so beautiful. That was so beautiful. My wife was like, What are you doing? I said, I then I stopped and I said, I wish I told him when he was alive. Yeah. There are relatives of yours that didn't want to hear you. And sometimes um, you don't even have to ask them how they're doing. They want to hear from you, how you're doing. You know? Well, said Arham, pick up the phone. Who cares what they've done to you? That's huge. And then the last, so these are three out of four, which has to do with serving humanity, right? Eating, feeding, and all the uh, uh, greetings and stuff. And the last one sounds like this is between your, you and your Lord, but my Ustad said it very nice. The, la the last thing he said, Pray when the world is asleep. Mm -hmm. And my Ustad said, even that prayer is for the people. Those who you fed, those who you greeted, those who were relatives that were giving you trouble, all those categories that you were serving during the day, now you're praying for them during the night. That prayer for you is not just for you. Look at the Prophet's dua. At all night, he's standing there, he says, Ali ajli ummati, oh Allah, just my nation, my ummah, my ummah. You know, like when Sahaba, Sahaba, Umar bin Khattab would say, This guy is a you know cold-blooded munafiq. No, he loves Allah and his Rasul. When Umar bin Khattab was going to, you know, isolate someone because of their bad manners or the character or the lack of practice, the Prophet was able to welcome them. Brothers and sisters, there are black people, there are white people, there are rich people, there are poor people, there are people living in our neighborhoods who, you know, they, they just need help. They need help. We see so many people. Why are we just like I say this to myself, we live in a we live a robotic lifestyle. We get up at a certain time, we um have have a certain coffee, we take the same route, we go to the same place, we get the same lunch break, we meet the same people at lunch, a few more calls, and then we come back, see our wife and our children, call it a night, read some news, watch some news, and and in the middle of that day, if there is an emergency, even if our brother calls us or sister calls us, um, you know what? This has happened. We don't have space to accommodate them. We're so consumed in our world. And I think it's good that we're working and we're earning, but there needs to be space for others. Mm. There needs to be space for others. And you said it, Imam, the best. I mean, no one could say it better than you, mashallah. You articulate it so, so clearly is that we just need to feel the pain of others. Sense that there are people around us in our homes. Can you imagine? There might be someone sitting here tonight and they'll be like, man, I wish my wife can understand me. I wish my husband can feel my pain. Who do I talk to? Mm -hmm. Malik, Hassan Basri says, Mali ara rijalin wala ara anisan wa asma hasisan. He said, Mali ara rijalin wala ara anisan. He's like, he said, why do I see people but I don't see anyone that I can relate to? Like there's so many people but no one has, I can't relate to anyone because everyone is immersed in their own you know, problems and their own worries. I just don't know who to talk to. So mm. I think there's a, a major gap here within our homes, within our children. There's so many of our children, they can't talk to us. You know, so many parents can't talk to their children. And it's so important. You know, my wife started working um, just a couple of weeks before my brother passed away as an NP. And she works in the uh, inner city patients, um, inner city of Flint patients base. So these, this is one of the worst cities in America. People coming in with major issues. And my wife comes and she says to me, 
I treat an adult like my father. I treat a woman like my mother. And if she's young, like my sister. And a young person like my brother. And I want to make sure that I treat them as if they're the creation of Allah. Mm. And it's and and I told my wife, I, I was in I was literally holding my tears. I said, I'm telling you, you will be hitting frontline news just, just for saying the record. But I tell you this much, Allah loves the way you're doing. This this is what people are lacking in the world. And now people are like, oh my God, they're FaceTiming their relatives in the office. I want you to see my provider. You know, like they they can't believe someone's hearing them. Can you imagine a patient comes in, they tell you that you diagnosed them, you write the script, you don't even ask them how their day was. Yes. You know, even our, like you said in the stores, we don't ask them how you're doing. Just just get out of here. Get out of here. Like they're just cattles. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, people treat cattle better than we treat humans. Allah. At least they pet them. Mm. You know, it's so sad. It's so sad how it's all gone the wrong way in some parts of the world. And like you said, we're so easy to blame others, but we, we are blinded to our, our own uh, mishaps here. Imam, uh, you said so much. As we are exposed to so much pain in the world, all around the world, and we have our own worries just you know, some parting advice. What should we continue to do, especially in this pandemic, and and all these things that are happening? Like as as a take home message and sense of dua, and and like you talked about dua, at least taking out some time for dua. And what else can we do? Just as a final, because you saw so much. You've gone to uh, refugee camps. You've worked as a, um, the NYPD. You've seen. Uh, domestic abuse. You had this whole campaign going on on domestic abuse. I was following you. I saw that beautiful picture of your muscular arms. You know, um, you know just, when you when you came out that I'm picture, raise some funds, man. Definitely, I, I was like, Imam, Imam is um, heading to the gym and also raising funds for these uh, people who are ignored. You were doing some great work. I was your child in that picture too, or something? Both of my kids were in the picture. Both of your kids. It was such a beautiful picture, yeah, and it just you know, it, the fact that your children were with you in that picture tells me that they're also involved in the same mission and the same work. Oh, it's so beautiful. May Allah protect them. So, just wanted you to ask, wanted to ask, and you said so much. Some parting advice. I mean, I'd say two things. One. There's a lot of heaviness in the world right now, and it's okay to say that things are difficult and to take time to breathe and to rest. And those breaths, if you're engaged in it from our tradition standpoint, you know, literally in the remembrance of Allah is the ability to ease anxiety. Just saying the, the name of Allah, Allah is taking you out from the inner part of your throat and the breath has to come out with the aspiration at the end. So whenever you are saying Allah, you're remembering to just breathe, to take a moment to pause, to lessen the stress and the anxiety and taking away the suffocation of the darkness by allowing for yourself to have that moment of just tranquility and calmness and to st everything doesn't have to happen right now or immediately and where then you can engage in your own self-care because your ability to care for other hearts is going to necessitate taking care of your own heart there's a young woman who came to see me after Juma today and she has a friend of hers make dua for her who is in an abusive relationship while she's about eight months pregnant trying to figure out how to navigate 
children that she already has who have special needs that her abusive husband is not taking care of. And she says, what do you think I can do for her? And I said, the best thing that you can do for her is to ensure that your care for her does not stop because you stop taking care of yourself. That our Prophet Sallallahu did so much for so many people and his ability to do that is what also has a role in how he eats, how he sleeps, his regular practice, his praying in the night, his softening of his own heart, his ability to move and care for us is that he is seeing himself as a whole person and all of those things are connected together. And so one, you take care of you so that you can take care of other people. And the first step in it is by saying that it's okay to say that things are tough and that you just take a minute to pause and you rejuvenate and replenish. And then two, when you're thinking about what you can do for others, as the Sheikh said, it's not having to always be these grand things, but even just picking up the phone and calling a family member, asking them how they're doing, thinking deeply, not in the negative frame, right? Like when the companion comes to take the head punishment for drinking and they speak poorly of him and Allah says to them that do not assist shaitan in victory over your brother. Indeed, he loves God and his messenger. You don't want to assist shaitan in victory over yourself. And so when you think about questions that say, how is it possible in the midst of pandemic that I haven't called somebody to check on them? You don't want to do that in a way that is self-deprecating, nor is it rhetorical. But you ask the question, you reflect on it so that you gain light and illumination. And then you say, I'm going to pick up the phone. Somebody not doing bad does not mean that they're still doing good. And somebody else doing bad still doesn't mean that you're doing good. But doing good does not have to always be that I'm going to go and change the whole world. Our text teaches us one life saved is all like mankind meaning you impact one heart, then that heart can go and be the one that impacts millions of hearts. But if not for you, they would not then be able to do what it was that they were doing. So you think about the little things that make a difference. The guy that I told you about at the cupcake store, I said thank you to him. And I meant it because I can't make these little cupcakes. And there was going to be my two kids and three other kids and my wife and my friends and everybody who's eating these things, and they would feel happy for that moment. And this person is not appreciated for the fact that he doing what he did, had he decided that, you know what, forget this, I'm going to the bathroom. Or I'm going to go and take half an hour, an hour to eat. But he left behind those things and kept that store open, and it allowed for me to then go in and get this thing that makes my kid happy. So all I said to him was, thank you. I said, thank you for doing this. And again, same thing. Nobody's ever thanked me before. And you can imagine what that must feel like and be like to be in an existence where you are in front of people, engaging them, and you're still invisible. You are still not seen. Oh, my God. And so when you think about it, don't let shaitan get into your head and say, 
I can't do anything because I don't have the ability to do this or do that. Everybody can smile at someone. Everyone can say thank you. Everyone can take a minute from the hecticness of their day to just say, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Or to appreciate the person. And if it's awkward or it's strange, then be strange, man. The Hadith says that this deen, Islam, started as something strange. It's going to end as something strange. And then the Prophet wasallam he ends the Hadith by saying, so glad tiding to the strangers. If it's strange to say thank you to somebody who works at your supermarket that's bagging your groceries for you, then be strange. If it's strange to show appreciation to the person who's delivering your food to your door in a box so that you don't even have to go out in pandemic, yeah. be strange. If it's strange to send notes, to leave tokens of gratitude and appreciation, if it's strange to make dua in the late hour of the night for the guy who you might not ever see again, but let your five-year-old feel good because he gave him a cupcake, then be strange, man. Let your heart feel that. Say thank you to people. Appreciate them. And if you're looking for something to reflect upon, tomorrow when you wake up, if you eat breakfast at a table, say thank you to whoever made it for you in the house. But also just look at your plate for a minute. And just really reflect, not self-deprecate, but introspect, contemplate, reflect. Who made that plate that you're eating off of? Do you know their name? Can you imagine if you didn't have a table to eat at or a chair to sit on when you ate? You didn't have a fridge to put your food into or even food to put into the fridge to begin with? When you look at the egg that you eat, the toast that you eat, the juice that you drink, not in a place that renders paranoia. Don't give shaitan victory over you the same way you don't give him assistance and victory over your sisters and brothers by speaking poorly of them. Don't speak poorly of yourself. Just think and allow for your heart to be open. How many people had to move and hustle and do what they did so that that egg ended up in your plate? How many people had to go and do all that they were doing so you could just have that simple cup of juice. In my building today, I live in an apartment building in Manhattan. It's an NYU building. Our water got messed up. And instantaneously, people from different places came, fixed pipes, sent emails, said this happened, that happened. You didn't even feel discomfort for 10, 20 minutes more than that. And half the people just slept through all of it because it all happened at like five, six in the morning. So they didn't even know that all these people were doing things for them because they were all knocked out in their beds. So when you feel hot water that's coming to you through your shower head, think about how many people Allah blessed you with in your life that you don't even know. And we think about it. This is what we're taught at fundraisers we go, that those people will make dua for you because you helped them as orphans. You got them food as refugees. You built houses for them. Somebody built your house too, man. Hmm. 
Somebody else also went and did things for you. In your profession, you cannot do what you do unless there was other people who needed you to do what you do. The farmer cannot farm and have what he does if not for the lawyer, the doctor, the sheikh, the scholar, everybody buying his goods. The doctor needs you and I to be sick in order for him to then do what he does by his trade. Every individual relies on other individuals. And you just start with basic reflection. And you do it through the air of appreciation and gratitude. Because then when your heart feels that there are so many who you have never met that you can be grateful for, and it then helps to open the door to be more grateful for the people who are around you that you take for granted at times, then it's not going to be hard to walk into the cupcake score and say thank you to the teenager standing behind the door, the counter, that nobody ever even acknowledges or asks what's your name. Because light will just be what's pushing you. Your heart then starts to define your decisions, not the nafs, not waswasa, not dunya, not hawa. It's going to be coming from a place of illumination, and you're going to start to see things through that prophetic mode, and the awkwardness will subside, and then the verse will resonate. That beauty will create beauty both outwardly but inwardly, and it'll dominate in you, and then you'll just start to do more and more and more of it, and you'll see that things will start to change, and those local actions will enable that global consciousness that we're talking about, we wanting to rear. And you're gonna see how you can be the reason people have hope in the world and not the reason that people have dread in it. May Allah bless you and help you to see in yourself what Allah sees in you and to give you a belief in a God that you know believes in you and is not just watching you, but watching over you and just wants you to try your best so may he make us from amongst those who recognize what our potential is and make us a means through which we bring light, life, and love to his creation. Because it's temporary, man. And then we're going to just try to get back to where we came from in the first place. So if you got to be here, then at least do some things that are good while you're here. So when you go and stand in front of him, you can at least say that, Ya Rab, I tried to fulfill the purpose for which you made me. And Sheikh, when you were talking, I swear to God, right? Allah bless you. It's another time where I'm just thinking to myself that alhamdulillah, how grateful I am that Allah gave me Islam. That we have the example of the Prophet for us. It's in our fingertips. It's just there for us. And in the midst of all of these people who are doing what they're doing, may Allah forgive me if I say it with any arrogance, because I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody. But I don't know where I would be if I didn't have this deen right now. I don't know what kind of things I would be doing. So you don't want to create continuity to shaitan's plan by putting even a mustard seed of arrogance within yourself. We don't know why these people do what they do, but we control what we do. And if we're given a gift, the manner through which we disseminate it is not just rhetorically in words and preaching, but living that faith and letting people feel its benefit. And whether they accept us or not, it's not a PR campaign. Do right because it's the right thing to do. And that's it. And whether people love you or not, 
Do it because it's pleasing to the one who is the source of love. And his love for you is not conditional upon who you are. Allah loves you because of who he is, not because of who you and I are. But you want to work for his sake and feel the strength and empowerment of it. That when you are striving to build a relationship of the God of Muhammad and moving forward in a direction that you say that I know what I'm saying when I say that I came from him and to him is my return. I'm just trying to get back to where it was that I started off from. And the means of through which I go is going to be projected by doing little things. And so just let it be consistent acts of kindness. And you're going to change worlds for people in ways that you didn't even know that you could. May Allah give each of you tawfiq and give to you and your loved ones only the best in this world and the best in the next. Barakallah feekum. Wallahu ta'ala alam wa billahi tawfiq. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. for your heavy, beautiful words. Um, I think um, you, 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 um, you, you didn't leave any stone unturned. And you and Sheikh Abdullah covered all those uh, beautiful lessons that um, could be spoken about under the, the umbrella of this topic. May um, Allah reward you, bless you. And uh, we hope to actually see you soon physically as well, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Thank you so much, you know, and you know, since my brother passed away, my brother, Sheikh Abdul Wahab, he used to be on the program together. We used to be us two and the host as a host and then the guest and Sheikh Abdul Wahab just doesn't, hasn't picked the courage up. You know, he's, his, his wounds are deep. You know, he was very close to Abdul, Sheikh Abdul Rahim. You know, they're a few years apart. And uh, so Mufti Abdul Wahab is, he's thrown all that responsibility on me and he's um, hiding his pain behind the screen and he makes me stand on the screen and making people smile and and then i have to keep you know force words to come out of my mouth so keep us in your prayers honestly keep having your prayers he's he's trying to you know he's trying his best and uh it's just it's been it's been rough it's the tides have been heavy i'll make things easy for all of you i mean i mean thank you so much imam imam, imam you came on this in short notice uh, i just want to let, the, let let everyone know that uh, how kind you've been behind closed doors to us uh, myself my brothers um uh, you being able to come join us um, and giving us support. Really, I, I, to have you I on was more... Imam, I wish Imam's um, kids were a bit little older, but I would love one day for them to learn from our sirah. And yes, uh, your community also, um, if you can just, you know, uh, keep that sirah intensive in your du'as. Exactly. We, we, have, we had 300 people join us last year in person. Subhanallah. For six days. And it was unbelievable. The experience, alhamdulillah. So, you know, if we can, you know, somehow, you know, this, this, you know, discharge and and express the love of the Prophet sallallahu in our generations and our children, it's going to have an everlasting effect, inshallah. So I just want you to ask, keep that in your prayers, also. Yeah, tawfiq, inshallah. Thank you so much. I was telling the crowd that getting you on this week was more of a selfish thing. We needed to hear from you. And I, I benefited a lot. Take your time, man. Take your time and do what you need to do for yourself. You know, you do a lot for all of us and you deserve your space and your rest. I'm sorry that I couldn't be there with you all in Michigan. Uh, my health has not been so well these past few months. And I tried a lot of different ways to find, you know, a car, or plane, anything. Uh, please forgive me that I wasn't there. Um, you know, at the Janaza and, and other things, but we've been making a lot of du'a for your family, for your brother. You know, may Allah grant him peace and 
entrance into the highest levels of his paradise. Um, and I can imagine how difficult it's been for you all. So don't rush back into anything. Just take what you need and do what you need to do. Uh, and you know, inshallah, Allah will grant you the healing uh, and the, the peace that you're seeking for. But if there's anything I can do for you all, please let me know. Um, and you know, I'll do my best to, to try to assist, inshallah. Just do as Imam and do as my mother, inshallah. I'll make it easy for her. I mean, assalamu alaikum, take care. All right. I requested one of our students to recite a small Arabic um, poem, uh, inshallah, to end the program. Uh, okay. He's been, he's been on for a little while, so I'm just going to bring him on, and inshallah, we can we can end the program. Do you need me to stay on? It's up to you, Bijan. It's up to you. Okay. So I just I want to remind the audience one more time for my Syria intensive. Is there any way we can share the link one more time? Uh, inshallah, we have uh, Hafiz Idris Nawaz. He's going to reset a poem for us. He's he's on he's on the back end joining us very soon. Um, but please don't forget about our Syria intensive this December. Uh, it's going to be hosted in Detroit. In person, also online. Please go on uh, uh, org and please share with your family, relatives, all your chat groups. Spam them, flood them, you know, and invite them to learn the Prophet Sirah. Yeah, yeah, let them know that the online version is is as good as the on-site, inshallah, in the sense that everything will be shown to them and they'll have like lifetime access to the recording. So they can watch it anytime, they can download it, they can view it for themselves and their family. Uh, it'll be something that you know. Hopefully, they'll continue to benefit for for the rest of their life. Inshallah. Inshallah. Please, Jazakumullah khair. Let's bring um, Hafiz Idris onto the screen. <laughs> All right. Assalamu alaikum. Idris, you're muted. You're muted. There you go. Oops. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, Idris. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. How are you doing, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah. I'm gonna I'm gonna st- I'm gonna let Idris oh, just um, have the screen. I'm gonna step away, and he oh, can recite. Okay. Inshallah. Um, are you ready, inshallah, to recite the poem? Of course, inshallah. <clears throat> okay, inshallah. Your voice is, can you speak? Can you hear me well? I can hear you well, but you're, you're, you're speaking before, like, your, your tongue, your lips are moving, but the words are coming out later. But, um, khair, go ahead, inshallah. <clears throat> هل ترانا نلتقي أم أنها كانت اللقيا على أرض السراب ثم ولت وتلاشى ظلها واستحالت ذكريات للعذاب هكذا يسأل قلبي كلما طالت الأيام من بعد الغياب فإذا طيفك يرنو باسما وكأني في استماع للجواب أولم نمضي على الدرب معا كي يعود الخير للأرض اليباب 
فمضينا في طريق شائك نتخلى فيه عن كل الرغاب ودفن الشوق في أعماقنا ومضينا في طريق واحتساب قد تعاهدنا على السير معا ثم عاجلت مجيبا للذهاب حين ناداني يا رب منعم لحياة في جنان ورحاب ولقاء في نعيم دائم بجنود الله مرحاب الصحاب قدموا الأرواح والعمر فداء مستجيبين على غير ارتياب فليعد قلبك من غفلاته فالقاء الخلد في تلك الرحاب أيها الراحل عذرا في شكاتي فإلى طيفك أنات عتابي قد تركت القلب يدمي مثقلا تائها في الليل في عمق الضباب وإذا أطوي وحيدا حائرا أقطع الدرب طويلا في اكتئاب فإذا الليل خضم موحش تتلاقى فيه أمواج العذاب لم يعد يبرق في ليلي سنان قد توارت كل أنوار الشهاب غير أني سوف أمضي مثلما كنت تلقاني في وجه الصعاب سوف يمضي الرأس مرفوعا فلا يرتضي ضعفا بقول أو جواب سوف تحذوني دماء عابقات قد أنارت كل فج للذهاب
هل ترانا نلتقي أم أنها كانت اللقيا على أرض السراب ثم ولت وتلاشى ظلها واستحالت ذكريات للعذاب Thank you so much. MashaAllah. Allah bless you and reward you uh, for the beautiful recitation of that poem. Um, it's a very lengthy translation. I'm not sure if we can go over the whole translation right now. Um, but for the crowd, inshallah, for the audience, we will be, inshallah, um, releasing this poem recited by Hafiz Didis for everyone to benefit from in the upcoming week. And you can watch it on YouTube and our Facebook page, and we'll have the translation with it. Um, on that point, it will be released on Wednesday, and there will be the translation with it. So you can listen to the whole thing and read the translation, inshallah. Um, this is the this is one of the nasheeds that when Sheikh Umar Suleiman was on, he was referring to as one of his favorite poems, um, which uh, allows us to have a reflection on death. But um, inshallah, it will be released on Wednesday, inshallah. That's, um, I, I don't know, I had no idea you were going to bring this on to sing, to recite this poem. I, I wish you gave me a heads up. It's just too heavy, especially for the end of the program. Mufidduhab, stay strong. Everything will, be, everything will be good, inshallah. And, uh, you know, uh, as you see my sign behind me, in Allah ma'ana, Allah is always with us. So don't worry, uh, um, you haven't lost anything as long as you have Allah on your side. Hopefully we've gained more of his pleasure during these difficult times. See you around, Mufti. Take care. Welcome to everyone for joining, inshallah. Thank you for joining. Assalamu alaikum.